MLM Nation, episode 766. Welcome to MLM Nation, a podcast of leaders, by leaders, for leaders, hosted by Simon Chan. He's built a team of over 200,000 and is now a full-time MLM coach and trainer. So if you're ready to level up your business, join us now. Let's do this. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan. I'm fired up to bring our special guest today. Yes, we have the one and only Rob Sperry again. Hey, Rob, are you ready to make it happen? I'm always ready with you, my man. Anyway, we uh, last time we did this, Rob, was back in April. End of April, time has flown by so fast. And uh, people love the episode where we just chit-chat and talk about random things, about what we've been working on, about the lessons, the big best moments, worst moments. So I figured uh, since we just came back from the Monte Carlo Mastermind, and that, by the way, seemed like it was only three weeks ago, but it seemed like three months ago. I got a lot That's of true. stuff to share about what's been happening with my life. But I wanted you to get on to see what you've been working on and because uh, we've got to hang out a lot, but we haven't chatted much since then. So anyway, what's up with you? Yeah, it's a, it's a balance of everything. There's no such thing as balance, right? You got priorities, you got focus and the focus was, you know, mastermind out there in Monaco. So fun hanging out with you and so many other legends. The love collaboration uh, is absolutely real and true. Got home and then it's playing catch up. And I did have my two oldest kids fly out there. So we got to hang out with them a lot. So then we felt like we we're playing catch up with work and life and everything, as you know. And then 4th of July hits and we were gone for another week in Idaho for a, a family reunion. And so it's kind of, I don't know. I feel, I think you're the same. Actually, I know because we're very similar. I just feel like I invest in the extremes. Hmm. I've gotten rid of a lot of the things that I like. I know that may sound really weird. And I have began to obsess with the things that I love. And so hmm. I've tried to really clearly distinguish what do I like and what do I love? There's nothing wrong with spending time on things you like, but I'm like, why would I not spend more and more time on things I love and less time on things that I just kind of like? So it's, it's a lot of just family and work. And now I'm focused on same thing, business of my next mastermind, right? It's like, it's so fun hanging out with leaders. So one's done just like conventions or events for all of you and your companies. And then uh, you start on the promotion of, of the next one. So that's from both business and, and personal. Hey, I like that. Uh, you get rid of the likes. So what are some likes you liked that you like you had to get rid of? Yeah, I'll give an example. Again, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. Um, like listening to music at the gym. Now I, I listen to personal development because I love be, becoming a better father, husband, uh, friend, leader, learning, right? On, on different things. Now, some of you, there may be certain things that maybe music to you is is a love and it helps you out in different things. That's fine. Uh, another thing you could say is, is years ago, I would watch on Sundays, probably eight hours of just sports TV. And that eight was hours. eight hours. It was like, cause you think an NFL game, I mean, is three plus hours. So you're watching like two, two NFL games and an NBA game and stuff. And that was, that was probably more like 13, 14 years ago. And then I just started thinking, you know what, like, unless I'm doing this because my family loves it, I want to find time to obsess with them and stuff. And so I don't, we don't have a TV in our main room. We've got a theater room. We watch a lot of movies together as families and shows and stuff, but I don't, 
I don't remember. And again, there's nothing wrong if that's your thing, but I don't watch any um, on Sundays unless I'm watching a movie with the family. Like, I mean, pretty much zero unless it gets the playoffs. And also I don't even watch the whole game. I'll watch if it's the last like two minutes. And so uh, I just divested in many of the things that I liked and started obsessing with things that I love. That was the first time I met your two older kids. I was impressed, like the way they uh, carried themselves. Maybe, I'm, I don't know, they were on super good behavior, you told them. but they Yeah, don't impressed. let them fool you. Come on, man. They're actors and actresses. No, they're incredible kids. You know, they are, of course, they always have their things they need to work on, like everyone. But I'm very, very proud of who they are and and um, and who they're becoming, for sure. It's uh it's fun. I feel like that's my greatest, greatest responsibility. And they, they make their own choices and decisions. And we as parents can only do our best, right, to help. And it's never good enough. I think once I have this thing figured out, that's when you become a grandpa and grandma. <laughs> Getting back to Monte Carlo, what were like the two things that stood out to me, like the biggest, wow. I, I know for me, it was uh, when I went there, it was just the amount, uh, it was very inspiring, the amount of wealth out there. Like we're talking about like, and I live in the upper class neighborhood, but that was like the Uber class, right? Like I was, I, when I came back, I was telling my wife, like a studio was like $600,000, $700,000. I think I was looking at a three bedroom, but where we were staying at, at the hotel, uh, where the hotel yeah. was three bedrooms, like 20 million euros for three bedroom. And uh, just put things in perspective. That, that was actually one of my things when I showed because yeah. it was my first time there. What about you? What were the two things it could have been from the mastermind itself or just being there that stood out to you? Yeah, um, from the mastermind itself, it's always just the collaboration. I mean, content's next level when you allow everyone to give their best insights and that sort of thing. But I mean, even just different experiences during the mastermind, the connections that led to outside, like when we're all hanging out um, at the castle, the medieval village. Etsy. That was really cool. Yes. Yeah, a lot cooler cool. than I thought. And then like that photo I took of you and me and Frazier and John Melton, like that, it's not like that was planned. It's like we're just all walking around, having private conversations, right? Talking, some of it's business, a lot of it's just life. Like that to me, you know, really, really stood out. And then- the second you know, getting back is, to that photo, when I saw that uh, when you posted that, it's like, um, like you said, the, it's the unplanned things. Yeah, that's part of the mastermind, right? Like, I so we, we took a lot of photos. I took a lot of photos. When I saw that photo, like, where was this photo? I don't even remember that. I think you just randomly took it. It wasn't. It was planned, like towards the end I, of the castle. We were all walking. Walking. You just randomly took. I it. looked it's around. Like, I was like, oh my goodness! I got all these yeah. legends by me. I'm like, guys, photo. Like, I wasn't even thinking. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay. And we did, and we kept going. And I think the other thing I found is, for me, I feel like I do better financially um, and just mentally in all aspects of life sometimes when I just get out because mm -hmm. I'm not like just in my normal element where I'm just so hyper-focused, like checklist, get this done, get this done, then help with the kids with this and this and this and my wife. And it's like, we're just kind of out and it helps me to gather my thoughts. And, and part of it, just being around what you said is the amount of wealth. It's just such a great dream builder. Yeah. I mean, total. you're there and it doesn't matter if you're a car person or not, you see these cars and then you see, you know, these incredible yachts and it just tells you what's possible. Use it for whatever you want to use it for, but it shows you that anything's possible and it helps you to think bigger and dream bigger. And 
so for me, uh, it, it just absorbing all of that was just phenomenal. Yeah, for me, it was definitely like I'm totally not into yachts, totally not into uh, cars, but it was great for dream building. Like, what, yep. like you said, what is possible? Because these people, a lot of them, they were just like us, but they made something happen, right? And the I think, yeah, getting to events, because I haven't gone to that many events um, since I got into baseball, but I realized I need to get back into more events again. I think, that, I think when you introduced me, you said that was the first event I've been to in years. <laughs> yeah, I was like, guys, we got this is like special, special, you know, guest experience here, uh, appearance, and because... It's been uh, years. I mean, at least three years, if not four. Yeah, it's definitely been, uh, I've spoken at company events, but definitely been years since a mastermind. It definitely was very helpful to get out of the, because I think we all tend to be our own bubble, right? Yeah. It's like, we're in our comfort zone. Like you say, you're with your kids and your environment. But once you go out there, you're like, wow. You know, it's like, it definitely gets you closer to the campfire. And like, Yeah, and, and we forget. Fire. I mean, we teach, I taught, the very first thing I said when I started out the mastermind was successful people just do the basics better. Doesn't matter how yeah. advanced you are, sometimes just receiving and absorbing the content information being around helps you gather your thoughts that can make this change, simple change that changes everything. And, you know, I had, you know, Travis, one of the top earners in the industry. And he's like, I, I don't remember the last time I was at one of these things. And he's like, wow, I didn't know I needed this. And yeah. we all do. It's all a reminder. I mean, for me, yeah, I may be the teacher or the coach or the host, but I swear I learn the most. Every time I go there, I feel just re-energized and like, oh, wow, like I got to do this and this and this. So it's it's fun. Yeah, big shout out to Travis Flowery, Travis and Summer. Um, and they have like six kids. And they make it they happen. They do, yep. They're crushing it right now. Really cool. You know, I, I think I had a great conversation with Julia um, and Brandon Thornhill. Yeah. And that was uh, random. I was coming out of the pool uh, on the beach, just relaxing, get, getting on environment, and then randomly bump into them, and we talk for a long time, you know. And that's actually just, the cool part of the mastermind, just being putting yourself with top leaders, because because uh, the reality is, once you come home, I could text them, they may reply back. So we're not going to have more than a five minute conversations, but because everyone's busy and they got their personal lives and stuff, and that's why these events are so so good, very good. Um, I don't, I I'm excited for the next one, Pirates Cove. Why did you choose this? Uh, and I didn't even knew about Pirates Cove. I kind of heard about it until I checked out. Why did you decide to choose Pirates Cove in the U.S., like Nevada, instead of going somewhere else? Like, yeah, uh, one of the, or, or one of the like legacy that. leaders in all of network marketing um, who's been in it for probably 50 years, um, he started out with this place building it, and it was about 10% of what it is now. And then added and added and then started adding for his kids, but then it was his grandkids. And then he started making it more and more pirate themed where you would get stuff sent to him all over the country. I mean, so many different celebrities have been there and it's like their favorite place. And then he had the Treasure Island pirate ship. They were remodeling and so they didn't need it. So he, he bought that, added that in there. So there's like a real just massive ship and it's one of those things even when you watch the video you're like wow this is the coolest place i've ever seen mm -hmm. when you go in there the amount of um attention that's paid uh detail detailed attention to it with even like the bridges and you'll see like this this little thing here and this whole set here um you can swim under like a cave and you swim under it and then all of a sudden there's this aquarium inside the cave and stuff like that is just amazing. You have a fast water slide, a slow water slide. You've got hot tubs all over the place, multiple pools. 
uh, ice cream cone machine, which the kids just absolutely, you know, love. And so all this stuff, it was like, to me, such a dream builder. And I went to it 15 years ago and it should become one of my favorite places. And so since then I went again, three years ago, I think I've been six or seven times and we did a mastermind there and everyone loved it so much. They said, you know what? The cool part about masterminds like these that you may or may not have thought about is you're not at a hotel. It's like a, a, a mansion type house where you're all hanging out. So the mastermind continues even when it's not continual, where you get yeah. to hang out with the Simon Chans of the world, right? And these other phenomenal type leaders and they, they become friends, like legit friends. Like Simon's just talking about how he can now, he could text Brandon or Jules and it's a different kind of text now if he reaches out to him because they've made that connection. And so, you know, you combine all of that. And I thought, you know what? We had such a great experience that this is the only place of all, I don't know, I've done 20 something masterminds that I'm going back to the same location because it was, it was that good. Yeah. And I, lo- I love the, the um... What would you call that? The class, the official classroom sessions. There was, yeah. Uh, but I think the real values. The I mean, of course, I learned a ton from AI, from Woody Woodward, a ton of stuff. But the real value is the when you're hanging out. Like I learned a lot of stuff from John Melton, even just from because uh, uh, his son got a baseball scholarship. Just learning stuff about the whole baseball recruiting process for my son. We spent maybe thirty minutes talking about that. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Ton of stuff like the, the trip to the castle and the bus ride. So I'm excited for the Pirates Cove. Um, yeah, really. What are those dates again? October, right? Yeah, we'll be there October 2nd to the 5th. It's in Boulder, which is about 30 minutes outside of Vegas next to Lake Mead. So it'll be the perfect time of year, perfect weather, not too hot, not too cold. And uh, it's going to be phenomenal. So if, if you're interested, you're going to want to act fast. Um, Cause we really just started promoting this and so far every single one we've done is sold out. So we'll, we'll have a ton of fun hanging out and masterminding. Yeah. We'll put the link in the show notes page. So when you, when I asked you what you've been up to, I think this will help a lot of listeners and viewers is that you said that you've been, uh, you did the mastermind and you had to catch up and then went to Idaho, but you always are so good in getting things done. But I think you're, you're even better than the people who give me a lot of credit. I think you're way, way better than I am. Uh, I don't know about that, but messages right I, thank away. you. <laughs> so how do you get stuff done? Now, you were in Idaho last week, and you're messaging me, and you get back to me right away. How do you get all the stuff happen, even when you got all the family stuff going on? Yeah, I mean, people call it a checklist. I call it a priority list. And so what I'll do is, is I'll have a list of however many things, the things that I don't even need to think about at all, that are just like later if I get through. Um, I have a whole separate section for them. And the things that I need to get done, I'll create the list. And what I'll do is, is number one is I'll go look at that list and make sure I organize what are the top five most important things that I need to do. And then I'll organize from one through five of what I need to get done. Um, The things, some things are quicker, some things are longer, right? And the things that aren't going to be like quick, I make sure that, you know, I'm scheduling all of that in. And so a lot of times it's just blocking, like, here's my priority time and let's get done the most important things during these two hours or whatever it is you allocate to yourself. And I'll, I'll crank it out. And I feel like I get more done now working, you know, 10 hours a week than I used to get done working 50 hours a week because I'm so hyper-focused. I was taught a quote by a mentor 
years and years ago. And he just said to me, put it on his desk, is what I'm doing right now making me the most amount of money? And it was a way for him to just maximize you know, what needed to be done. And so I look at that, but I also look at what needs to be done now, what should be done now. And I'll, um, I'll look at that in the morning, but also look at it at night and kind of just restructure and then just look at my schedule and make sure I allocate when I'm doing what just to make things happen. Cause you know, I mean, we got, we got tight schedules with the uh, work, the business and and kids and, and all of that good stuff, you know, as, as, as we try to make things happen. And I, I'm excited. I want to ask you some questions as well, but I want to make sure I let you answer to that first. So, um, so if you only have one hour to work, well, because for me, uh, and I love the concept, you talked about it, the mastermind, the minimum day. The minimum yeah. goals, right? You got to have minimum goals. For me, my minimum goal is I definitely post a story every uh, on my Instagram, but daily gratitude, seven days a week. I definitely sing happy birthday to all my contacts. Those are probably the minimum, no matter how busy. Even if I only work 10 minutes, I'm always definitely doing those two things. I'm um, always doing something, writing the newsletter, right? A daily newsletter. That's five days on the weekdays. That's something I do. But if you only have one hour to work. When do you work? Do you work in the morning? For me, it's in the morning. First thing in the oh, morning. Yeah. Wake up. For oh, you, yeah. in the morning as well? 100%. I mean, I feel like if we were going, I'm, I'm throwing this out here right now. So these are made up percentages based on what I think. I feel like I can operate, you know, 90 to 100% all the way until about noon. Uh, oh. From noon to two, I maybe I'm about, depends on the day, right? maybe 75 to 90%. About 2 p.m., we see a dramatic drop in productivity mm-hmm. for me. And I mean, by the, by the, maybe by the every 30 minutes to an hour, just dramatic drop. It just goes down pretty quick. And so for me, you know, I started learning that because of that, I want to get done the most important, hardest things in the morning. And so you know, unless it's a big, big priority, like this, of course, is a massive priority with you. We're doing this in the morning. I usually don't do any lives. I don't do any interviews. I don't do much before noon. And right Mm -hmm. now it's 1048 AM here. Um, Because if I need to do a Facebook live or an interview or something like that, I feel like for me, that doesn't take as much creative energy because I've done it so much that I could do it at 2 p.m. and I could still find a way to yeah. muster the energy. And so my creative brain needs me more in the morning because I just get so much more done. It's like my return on investment of time for productivity is through the roof. Definitely. Um, that made me think about, I've been doing my lives, my pep talks at 5.25 a.m. Uh, because that's the only time I can really do them. Yeah. But I do, I know, I know when you get older, it's part of the aging thing. I do get a little more mentally drained after going live. Oh, I, I'm, drained. I mean, I'm naturally an introvert. I know in, in some ways you are too. It's like, for me, I do live and it's like, I feel like I'm yelling just to sound like a normal human being because I'm so soft-spoken. And after I just sit there and I'm just like this, especially if it's, you know, 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. Then I think for me, right after the live, I'm like fired up. I think I get the adrenaline. I can wake myself up. But then after 20 minutes later, then I crash. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely don't. Also, don't do uh, calls usually before 12 o'clock. Yeah, most of it's marketing work, creative work, um, important stuff. 
Yeah. And definitely never in the evenings. So yeah, most of my podcasts are normally uh, late, late in the day or yeah. late early afternoon, right? Because you don't need to use your brain. You don't need to use your creative. And it's not like we don't use our brain. We still it's have a different kind. It's more automatic. Different type. Different, to- totally different type. Um, I was going to ask you a lot of other things, but what do you? Uh, what I, I want to. Well, actually, I, before you do that, before we do that, I want to yeah. ask you. This is the first time I always see that calendar behind you in the office. And you got to hop onto the YouTube channel to see this. But you got something about Kobe Bryant. What does it say? I think it's the first time I've seen you something All right. different background. So, Kobe Bryant is my favorite athlete of all time. It's the first time someone like celebrity type when they died. I was just like, I don't like have highs or lows. Like I was bummed out for several days, like thinking the struggles he had. And then it felt like he had it figured out, right, with his family and he could have go spent time on business or coaching whatever he's like no i'm coaching my kids i mean you and i know it's like literally flying on a helicopter his daughter and other kids and their parents because that was what he wanted to focus on in life which you have this guy that was obsessed on winning and that was winning to him after so it says if you do not believe in yourself no one will do it for you Mm. kobe bryant so my wife gave that to me uh, for father's day last year um just because she knows how much i love uh kobe and and uh his work ethic so yeah it's got it's got a little different meaning for me yeah and i think guys remember exactly where it was i think most of us do when yep. we found that he passed away yep you know 100 it wakes you up and you know gives you perspective and, and going into that i think it's the perfect question is is what what do you feel like has been your greatest trial or challenge that you had in life? Like maybe a, a moment or experience or down moment. Greatest trial in life. Well, um, in life, you didn't say in the business, you said life. Well, you I think the greatest, that's, I think that uh, that's pretty simple. Easy is uh, when I was growing up, I always had really low self-esteem and that comes from, I just, I think my parents uh, immigrated from Hong Kong. And English is like my third language. I think it started with, you know, being weird, just different. I went to a private school because my parents like, public schools are bad. Send me to a private school. I was the only Asian kid. And this was way back in the 70s, 80s. Um, I was Simon. No other kid's Simon. And I play Simon Says. I will lose every time because I didn't understand English. I didn't really understand English until I was like third grade. And I think that's why sports is such a big thing for me. Like I got back into baseball cards, could trigger memories. I basically learned English through playing sports and reading the sports pages, collecting baseball cards. Like my parents didn't know baseball. I kind of had to figure out. And baseball is not like a game. It's easy to figure out, right? It's not like basketball. Like you just score points. You had to learn. Uh, My neighbors taught me baseball. So I think the greatest challenge was like having low self-esteem and low confidence. Like I felt that I wasn't good enough. Mm. Uh, Like these white kids were stronger than me or they're smarter than me. And so I, I never spoke up in class and then that, that makes it worse because I was an introvert. Right. So I think it goes back to when did I really change was all really part of network marketing. Well, I had a couple one mentor before right before network marketing that, uh, told me one of the most influential books I've read was how to win friends to influence people. Right. And how to win friends to influence people. It's one of my top three, just so yeah. you know. And I think for every networker, I, I always thought that you study hard, study hard, study hard, and you do well. And then there's this guy at work that he didn't really work that hard, but he always got the coolest projects because he everyone liked him. And what I learned about him was he was a great at networking. So before he even knew, became a networker, I said, wow, 
this guy gets all he, you know, he gets the, he gets the, you know, when we choose vacation days, we have to wait for, this guy gets the best days. He gets the best projects. He traveled everywhere to Japan or all on company expense. He loved it. He was young and single because he was good at networking. And when I read that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, I was like, wow, so this is what this guy is doing that I'm not doing, you know? Uh, I think that's one of the things I learned. But I think the, getting back to the biggest challenge, something that helped me out was, like, my parents pushed me to study, right? Study, study, study. And eventually, yeah. I, like, I wasn't smart, but I got into Columbia, like an Ivy League school. I didn't think I was all that because I was definitely one of the worst kids at Columbia, mm. right? But the power of Columbia, two things I got out of it. Number one was I never quit. It was classes where I got a C, but I never dropped it. I never quit. I barely survived, but I didn't quit. And that helped me out in network marketing later on. I see a lot of people that try something, they quit. Like I didn't, I couldn't, couldn't quit. And there were days where I had to cram five chapters in two days. My life was totally miserable. I didn't sleep, didn't eat, didn't, didn't have fun, but I did not quit. Um, and the second thing was just the network, right? Like I have a friend that was 25 making a million dollars a year. I just met a friend in Palo Alto. He's probably making half a million, a million a year. Uh, he has a ski house and everything. So being part of that, I was like getting back to the mastermind, right? That how important it is. I was always like the dumbest kid in my class or my friends. And so, but I want to do it my way. I don't want to go to law. I don't want to work like hundred hours a week in finance. So when I finally found out about network marketing, I, I'm going to do this. Uh, my friends are making their money and I don't want to go into law school. I'm going to do it in network marketing. And like, so go, this is a long answer to your question. That's is good. When I went to, uh, when I first went to, uh, after graduated from Columbia, I wasn't like smart or anything, but I went, but I asked people ask me, what school do you go to? I went to Columbia. Like, oh, I remember this one guy, my first day in the first week in the job. He thought I was so smart. I was like, wow, man, you got brains here. I'm uh. like, oh man, no, I'm not. I was like, oh, no, I was all right. But deep down, I'm like, no, you don't. Little do you know about my C's and my terrible grades at Columbia. I'm like the dumbest of all my friends, right? But I realized like I could bar I borrowed that confidence. So she treated me differently. But then why, why am I just letting the school dictate how I feel? If I should be I just show up confidently, then people would, didn't know I was bad in school, right? And then the same thing in network marketing is like, well, you haven't had success. But if you feel like, oh, I'm not successful, then you're never going to convince someone because you're really selling a vision. If you just show up like you're successful, right? You're the smartest kid, then people will buy into you because it's about your conviction, about going back to the four beliefs, your Kobe Bryant thing, believing in yourself. So yeah, that was probably the biggest uh, obstacle was just overcoming lack of self-esteem. I didn't date. I was afraid of talking to girls. or And that's why I'm so grateful for the profession. It really got me, it was the, really the first step to get me out of the shell. It's incredible. I mean, it's a mirror. I mean, I remember looking at all those weaknesses and they're just staring at me and you can't hide from them, but that's what makes you great. True wealth's ability. It's not what you have in the bank. And so many people are trying to bank on just finding that incredible superstar. And in the end, why not become it? Like that's the best insurance policy you can create is, is developing your skill set and your network, of course, as you go. But going along with that question, I don't know if you can think of a specific piece of advice, but if someone were to ask you, I'm asking you right now, best piece of advice you've ever received or advice that comes to your mind that was life-changing for you. There was a whole bunch of them. Um... I think this is the, this is, like, I don't know where I got this quote from, but it's like when you're 20, you're worried about what people think. Yeah. When you're 40, you don't care what people think. And then when you're 80, you finally realize that no one was thinking about you. 
And I think uh, when I was young, because I had low self-esteem, I was trying to impress people. I got to do this, I do that. And uh, worry about, oh, people are going to think I'm weird because I'm doing network marketing or, or, you know, I'm going down to do something below them. Just do be yourself. Be yourself and don't worry about because the reality is people are so worried about what others are thinking of them. I think someone, I think someone told me this too. So everyone out there is worried about what other people are thinking about them. They have no time to think about you. All right. Which you is know so what? This actually may lead in perfectly. I was just thinking about this right now. And maybe it's the same answer. Maybe you say it different, but you know, I do a lot of these um, teenage mastermind sessions. They're awesome. Done. They're very inspirational. By the way, I love it when you, every time you put it, it's very inspirational. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. We've done it now for 14 months and I think we've done 21. And um, now we have about 22 kids that come. We have hundreds and hundreds that have asked to come. It's just not space, but it's my my two kids and their friends. Um, and they take notes. They, they're not on their phones. Like it's just, it's phenomenal. We could go on and on. But with that said, if you could talk to the teenagers or your teenage version of yourself when you're 15, 16, 17, 18, what advice mm. would you give? The most important thing to protect, again, this goes back to, I wish I knew this earlier, Yeah, is and my parents just forced me to study, 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 right? They didn't know the stuff. Um, to not, I'm not saying to blame them. I appreciate them. The yeah, they were giving you what protect, they knew to be the best to yeah. help you, right? Yes. And the most important thing to protect is your self-esteem and confidence. That's what I teach my son. You go three, recently he was in a slump, three, four, 18. It doesn't matter. You keep, what do you say to yourself? I'm the best, right? Because once you lose that self-esteem and confidence, then you're, you're done. You're going to be a loser. You have, there's no chance. So what you have to do is think about what, um, instead of giving reasons why people, and we talked about this in a mastermind, brought this up, like instead of giving reasons why you're not going to be successful, give yourself 10 reasons why you can make it. Right? Most people are like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good looking. I'm too old. I'm too young. You're giving reasons why. And that was me. I'm Asian. English is my third language. I speak fast. I speak of an asset. I, I speak with a lisp. I, I, I had all these reasons why I'm not going to make it. Or I didn't grow up in a business. I don't have a business degree. Give yourself reasons why. As I think for a young teenager, um, especially depending on that family, but probably not for your kids, but if they grew up in a family, like a different family, by 10 years old, I think someone told me like the average kid at 11 years old, all their dreams are dead. They have no dreams. When they're five and they're six, they want to be baseball players. They want to be astronauts. They want to be scientists or be a police. Or by 11, they have no dreams, no ambition, right? Because they, all the surroundings, oh, you're crazy. No one, they see no one has done that. So protect your self-esteem and your confidence. And always say, I can do it. I'm the best. I can do it. I had Brian Tracy used to say that before every sales call, just say, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best. Say, do that. No, maybe not Brian Tracy, some leader in my company said, Yeah, 10 times, I'm the best, 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 I'm the best. Like, naturally, I feel already better, Rob, right? And then you made me pick up the phone and make that call. I had a kid that came to me before we started the masterminds, and it was one of the other reasons why I started. And he's he was basically saying, I was never going to be successful like my son because he didn't have the network and didn't have the people. And and so that was one of the reasons why we started it is just to really expand their brains. And I'm thinking back, I don't know if I publicly shared this, but for me, I was the timid. I was the shy. I was the never one to be cocky or conceited. I was win sportsmanship. 
but it was also highly competitive. I was the number one tennis player in, in Utah, uh, the entire state, played college tennis. But I found in my later years how I started doing better is I started creating this little chant in my mind, right? They call them power statements. Now I didn't know what a power statement was. No one taught me anything. And I would literally yell in my head, I'm a freaking machine. I'm too tough. I'm too good. You're going to have to kill me to beat me. And I would yell it over and over and over. But I didn't tell anyone because I was scared. I didn't want to come off as cocky or conceited. Weird. And it made, what? You're weird. What, what, who does that? I know. Stuff? Seriously. You're the weirdest kid. It's, it's like, it, it's like that, that. those are all the thoughts that you have. And what's interesting is years ago, we talked about Kobe Bryant. It was probably one of his last great seasons before he hurt his Achilles. There's no article. I haven't been able to find it. And it was just something that I noticed. And he was in a massive three-point shooting slump. He didn't have very many slumps in his career. Very few. But he wasn't having a slump in general. It was just from shooting three-pointers. And I think at the time, he was something ridiculous. It was like three of like 27. And the reporter comes to him and says, Kobe, what are you going to do to get out of your three-point slump? And Kobe, with his death stare, like literally looks at this reporter like he's going to kill him. And he says, what are you talking about? I'm not in a slump. The ball just hasn't gone in. And I like, I just still remember seeing that, like, I didn't see any articles. There was nothing about it, but I was like, this dude's different. Like, that's the reason why he doesn't have very many slumps because what Simon just talked about, and here's me giving my interpretation of it. What are you buying? Are you buying the slump? Because if you're feeding that, it's going to become bigger and bigger and bigger, whether it's baseball, basketball, tennis, or network marketing. Or are you not buying the slump? Because I remember my first December, I got my butt kicked in network marketing. I started in August, December came, I got destroyed. Next December came and I started in November. Champions are made in the off season. I'm going to work, I'm going to work, I'm going to work, I'm going to work, I'm going to crush it. I worked harder and I worked smarter. I got my butt kicked, but I refused to buy it. January, February, March were the biggest months that I had ever had and I never went below those after. So you just never know, right? It's like Jim Rohn when he talks about farming and the seeds and the harvest. You're not sure. Sometimes the harvest comes later. And so I actually created a, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a saying, right? Um, And I would say this over and over in my head. Compensation always catches up to skill set and effort, but it's almost always massively delayed. I'm going to say that again. Compensation always catches up to skill set and effort but it's almost always massively delayed. And so now when people said the test before the testimony, the struggle before the story, right? The mess before the message, that was my interpretation of that because yeah, it does, but it doesn't always catch up in your time, right? It may take a lot longer. You may thought have thought you were going to crush your network marketing business in two years. It may take you five years, but so what? What else could you do five years from now? You don't have to, I'm not making guarantees or promises, but just a what if you don't have to work or you get to control your time, right? And financial freedom. So that's just kind of a side note that ties in perfectly with your question about Kobe here. Yeah, I love that. You said compensation always catches up to skill and dedication. Yep, skill set and effort, but I like dedication. Skill set and effort. But it is almost always massively delayed. Yeah, I think the massively. Yep. I'm gonna and I had to, my kids. I had to change that, right? Because, and I remember reading 
Put Your Dreams to the Test by John Maxwell. Very little known book, but it had a huge impact on me. And in the book, he said, no one's ever accomplished anything great without it being harder than they thought it was going to be. Hmm. And that was like a life changer for me um, because it's true. I, I love my wife. I feel like we have an incredible marriage. Way harder than I thought it was going to be. Love my four kids. Love them, right? At one point I was like, yeah, let's have six or eight. Had one. I was like, how are we going to get to two? This is way <laughs> harder. Way more rewarding. Way harder than I thought it was going to be. Network marketing. I'm going to crush this. I'm going to work harder than everybody. Outwork them. I'm going to be coachable, mentors, everything. Way harder than I thought it was going to be. You think Michael Jordan, right? You think he's like, I want to be the greatest basketball player of all time. And after he's like, yeah, that was way easier than I thought. Way easier. No, it's not possible unless you were lucky. And that's not true wealth. Yeah. Hey, I think that's a wrap. Awesome stuff. It was a ton of fun. It didn't seem like a show. We just talked, and I think a lot of people got a lot of value. I think I think the thing to emphasize is uh, skill set is important, but the mindset is way more important. If you look at Rob, and we didn't even talk about the challenges you went through, death in your family, all that. It's all about the mindset and the obstacles to make you stronger. I wouldn't be here. Rob definitely wouldn't be here. So uh, any final words you want to say before we uh, end this? No, let's just say what, what Simon says. Mindset will eat skills and systems for breakfast, right? Your ceiling is way too low until you increase your mindset. Doesn't matter how much you increase your skill set. You got to unlock that first. Otherwise, you're stuck. And I'll end with your quote compensation always catches up to skill and dedication and effort, but always massively delayed. So keep working on that belief and what slump? I love that. All right, everyone. God bless. Hey, make sure ML Nation follow Rob and go check him out on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, anywhere else they should follow you. Uh, oh, those are the main places. That's great. And you got your podcast too. Yeah, I got my podcast, Network yes. Marketing Breakthroughs, and uh, all the all the good stuff. And we, I just appreciate you. Uh, it's always fun being surrounded by people that are phenomenal leaders, but more importantly, just human beings. And you're just uh, a great example. So thanks for all you do, my man. Thank you. And ML Nation, let us know how you like these shows. You keep them coming. I think they're really cool because you get to really get to uh, take a peek inside of a super, superstar entrepreneur and how they think. And thinking, again, think and grow rich. So anyway, we're out of here. Make sure you leave a review, subscribe to us on the channel, and go out there, apply what Rob has taught us, and have a positive impact on someone's life. God bless you all.